Okay, everyone. Uh, welcome to today's show. Um, it's actually going to be pre-recorded. I usually do a live show, but because uh, Daniel and I have crazy schedules, we're going to do one late uh, this Wednesday evening. But I uh, hope everyone enjoys it. I'm sure you will. Um, you know me. I'm Joe DeHoyles. I'm the host of Beyond the Woodline. And I have with me a very special guest, Daniel Allen Jones. How you doing, Ed? Daniel? Hey, Joe. Glad to be here. It's uh, nice to be here on your show. I mean, it's a really great uh, opportunity to connect with you. And, you know, like we said before, the show probably crossed paths at some point. So, yeah, yeah. looking yeah, forward man, to it. Yeah, I, 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 uh, you know, we were talking about that. And, uh, man, it's, it's a shame we didn't meet. I would have loved to have met you, man, you know, at that time. Uh, especially the one in Huntsville, uh, the show in Huntsville. I, I, I just like that show so much. It's, uh, you know, a bunch of good people. A lot of people show up and... Uh, you know, I guess we got some common friends with uh, Ann and Big Dog. You know, I know you did their show, and those two guys are uh, they're a couple of characters. You know, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's a really like interconnected community of people, like family, and it's cool to see how a lot of these different local events kind of function and, and work together, and you have a lot of crossover between even different subjects of you know what people are interested in. So I think that's a, a great part of being able to get together and, and have a physical opportunity. And, you know, this year has been challenging, but if you went to the one in Huntsville, um, yeah, it was great to see like um, you basically have uh, an opportunity to connect with a lot of really interesting people involved with the research and the experiences behind a very curious subject that a lot of people don't really, you know, take very seriously but i think that the more we have an opportunity to acknowledge it and give it a platform an opportunity to be more acknowledged it's it's an opportunity for more awareness so it's it's great to have an opportunity for people to meet bob gimlin like you probably did when you were yeah. there yeah yeah man i sure did i got a text uh, a chance to take a picture with him too so you know that was like the highlight of my of my uh bigfoot career i guess you could say you know but uh yeah, you know, and you mentioned, you know, like kind of like it's almost like a family atmosphere, I guess, you know, and, and that's one thing I, I I tell so many people that because of this great, this crazy little genre that we're involved in, you know, with the uh, cryptids and UFO and, and the paranormal, I, I've met people that I've never would have met and made friendships that I'm sure will, you know, last forever, you know, me and Big Dog, I mean, you know, I've, I've hung out with him, I've got to ride in the Yeti, you know, his big truck, you know, uh, you know his, his his cousin Lupe. You know and um, oh, yeah. just yeah, you, know, you know just so many people that I, I would have never met, and I'm I'm so glad that I've I've uh, you know that I can call them friends now. I think you know in some ways this community brings a lot of people together, and I guess in the in the end it it that's all that matters, you know. Yeah, I mean I think it's really important to be able to uh, have that supportive network of of people who you know you can feel connected with and it's great to be able to see how uh, involved and active a lot of people are in and the different communities that you know we work within so so i'm really uh you know appreciative that you're doing you know like this show for instance being able to host different subjects and explore areas that maybe you won't be able to experience or see on like you know the news or the mainstream media so it's great to be able to have people share and experience 
or information research that is uh, you know different than what you might be able to see in other ways that are conventional so thanks to you joe for you know this opportunity yeah man of course i, I know you you do the same thing you have your own show um but tell us what actually got you involved with all this the strange and the unknown sure yeah well you know i think as a child i had always been fascinated with different ideas and um theories and different concepts regarding the unusual and the unknown um whether it was strange creatures or aliens to you know just different kinds of abilities and understanding of reality that isn't necessarily conventional but i'd say about for the last 10 years i've done more of an intensive research into specific categories of, of what i would say are some form of anomalous phenomena whether it's <clears throat> ufos um, strange encounters and historical anomalies and in, in, in a variety of different uh capacities which we could you know understand through i think a scientific lens that helps us to see what the real possibilities actually are so <clears throat> throughout that time i've been able to you know look to see um how i can be more involved in, in doing so i've connected with a lot of people involved in in the research and experiences behind many things and so i'd say you know since about 2010 and forward i had been able to connect with different groups um, around the the area that you know offered basically different events and and meeting opportunities to have presentations and speakers and and this was an opportunity to be able to connect with other individuals who are like-minded and a sociable way that allows you know further uh you know uh, i would say uh, your ability to network in a manner that allows to develop a certain aspect of what you're studying in a way that you can uh, congregate with other people over a subject which is otherwise deemed, you know, um, not, not very serious or something that is more lofty. And when you talk about something like the study of Bigfoot or Sasquatch or cryptozoology, or things you know of that nature i think what's interesting is that you know a lot of people might not really understand a lot about those subjects and what's shown me is that um, there is a lot of work that we can do within these sort of foggy gray areas this mysterious areas of reality that challenge us to understand more about our world and what lies beyond so um it's been an interesting journey since you know i was probably in my early 20s to now which you know i'm 31 and um throughout that course you know have developed a production of videos and series of interviews and things on a wide variety of subjects that i think uh, are what allow us to question the nature of reality and, and what we're really experiencing um with our environment and what else could be you know within the same uh, medium which we exist in at least in in our immediate world and maybe what's lying beyond that if if we can access that information 
um, you know, maybe there are ways that we can find out or be able to do so in, in various capacities. So throughout that course, I've, you know, decided to develop a particular um, publication dedicated to, you know, that inquest of uh, looking into various degrees of what I would refer to as anomalous phenomena, whether it is cryptozoology or ufology or some kind of parapsychological um, ability or instance, um, historical anomalies and things that really challenge the uh, grand scope of what is considered um, to be true or in, in nature, uh, some kind of uh, unknown instance of our reality that challenges us as a culture to evolve or develop further in our understanding of what is happening here. You know, and I think that it, it can really help to have to be grounded with something when it looks uh, and when you just, let's say, take a look at cryptozoology and a study of Bigfoot and all of these things that deal with more animal based um, mysteries. And I think that, you know, it, it helps to have physical sciences as a um, adaptive lens to apply. when you look at something like this in a way that a lot of these encounters, we may be able to understand in a more um, anthropological and, um, zoological way that a lot uh, it could lend us you know more insight as to what we could be dealing with uh, in a wide variety of ways that are um, natural and maybe not like supernatural in any way but there are the components where if things don't fall with any particular um, normal aspect of of reality then we might filter that out and and then do something to challenge you know what we understand as far as what's accepted as normal so we throw that into this realm of paranormal and, and that really kind of is an umbrella term for a wide variety of mysterious um instances of you know function and and, and connection so i think it's something that we're you know beginning to understand in a lot of ways i think there are a lot of people who do have you know a, a, an understanding of many of these things, but you know, it may be difficult to attempt to express how um, we we really get into a and a more objective understanding of of certain strange qualities of our world. Because you know, like UFOs, for instance, are very um, uh, you know, it's just basically an unknown object. It could be anything. It's, to one person, it might be you know something totally different. So it's a very ambiguous area of study and and as it is with something like cryptozoology it can be very ambiguous to say what exactly it may consist of and it's it can be something that you know some people consider there's crossover and i think that depending on how you relate different concepts it, it's something that i think you still have to go with with what is factually available and uh, I think that it's it's important to see how we can develop uh, scientifically a more deep understanding of what reality you know really consists of, and if there are ways to adapt to what would otherwise be currently unknown phenomena, that helps to you know further advance our understanding if we find or detect you know our ability to discover those things. So. That's something that I'm working on as a publication right now. And uh, that a lot of the videos that I've published um, are sort of a um, 
way to connect many of those different areas together. So where can people find the stuff that you've published or the videos or interviews that uh, you've conducted? Well, those are uh, on my YouTube channel. It's The Vortex. You can just do youtube.com slash The Vortex okay. and the number one. Okay. And oh. uh, it's got, you know, probably way more than uh, that are available on there still on backlog. So those are being followed away to be published soon, but um, there's a lot to work on. But uh, yeah, I think that it's something that, you know, pretty much anyone with a computer or mobile device can watch just on YouTube as the Vortex. And uh, you can search my name on there as well and different interviews, you know, and things will come up to probably connect. And I have a lot of presentations, which I'm not even, you know, a part of at all that are just of various uh, lectures and uh, and talks and things that are uh, presentations at other events and such as the ones from the Southeast Texas Bigfoot conferences and the Texas Bigfoot conferences as well as many other events and then you know I've done on-site like on location uh, productions as well to just be able to uh, develop an experience of what being in a particular location actually is like. And uh, I think it's a, an interesting experience to be able to actually immerse yourself in, within an environment um, and allow it to be uh, something tangible that you can share. So, you know, media has given us an opportunity like what we're doing here, which is great um, to be able to have a show like what you're doing, Joe. So, I mean, this is a great opportunity to really think about how we can, uh, use it productively and share and connect and make more of our community aware that, you know, there's, there's opportunity to, for, to further our education. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's part of what, why I do this show, not just so I can share information, which is great, which is something that I do want to do, but I also want to, you know, educate myself and, you know, gain more knowledge and kind of, you know, expand my horizon, so to speak, you know, and, um, it just, it just, uh, there's just so much going on in the world and there's so much unknown really that I want to know more of it, even if it, and even if it ends up with more questions, at least, uh, at least uh, I feel like I'm contributing to this, uh, genre, I guess you could say, um, was there something in particular that, that pulled you, to, you know, to do, uh, this kind of research or this kind of investigation or was there one thing in particular that uh, you started doing first as far as, you know, was it cryptid, UFOs, paranormal, or was it something else? Well, I guess, strangely, um, it wasn't a particular instance. I, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's it's something that, um, you know, you have a lot of people who are considered experiencers or who have had an encounter of some sort, and I don't make any claim to have had, like, um, a cryptid encounter uh, or any, anything such as that. I mean, I've seen some strange uh, objects in the sky. Um, I don't really make anything uh, too much of a point out of out of that. But uh, I mean, I have seen things like I have seen the Marfa lights, which are interesting. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't know what that is, but I have some ideas of, you know, and, and know what what some other people think about things like that. But I think that for myself, it's been, you know, something as a child growing up with different concepts seeming sort of um you know 
naturally uh, intriguing through a lot of media and, and and cinema and things that allowed to to you know uh, fathom different worlds and and creatures and things it was already sort of a um a, a trait that i had appeal for so to consider the possibility of real um things like strange objects in the sky ufos or alien creatures or uh you know strange paranormal entities or beings of course that's going to be something that intrigued me but i think that um it's it's been something that uh, i find in the last decade i've taken a more serious approach to as far as uh researching and and really uh, investing in the literature that is out about many of these different mysterious areas that um i had an opportunity to you know connect with a group of, of people who would gather and and be able to congregate over different subjects like this and be able to provide you know a way for there to be sort of a, an active development of how you know this sort of uh, these concepts can be disseminated into otherwise like um, the general culture or population within the immediate area so i was interested in sort of being more involved in and the different events going on and that, you know, like you said earlier, lets you connect to different people and just finding, you know, understanding the people that I've been able to connect with in a way that have had immense, uh, incredible experiences that range from, um, you know, deeply, um, disturbing and encounters to, um, extremely, uh, curious, types of uh, experiences that, you know, just have all kinds of different things regarding strange creatures and uh, encounters of strange objects in the sky or an alien, allegedly, you know, an alien being, just different things that I think are an immense part of the curiosity that drives what makes us wonder, like, what's really out there, what's really going on, and do these things have a, a sort of objective form of what's something we're perceiving as individual um, manifestations or is this more of something that involves our own psychological input and develops a reflection of what that could possibly be and i think that is is something that drives my curiosity more um i mean i think that discovering certain qualities of of our reality like potential non-human intelligences that are out in whatever form um, is a worthwhile pursuit of our scientific efforts. So to me, it's, um, you know, interesting to see how we can understand something behind the nature, not just of our reality, but how these mysterious encounters are affected by that and, uh, and what that really means for us. If there is something that really is more deep-seated than just the sort of flesh and blood aspects of various um, encounters, then it makes us wonder, like, how this really plays into our known natural world so that's that's really interesting to me and i think a lot of people naturally so whether it kind of touches upon people being religious or have a more um, re religious or even biblical inclination to you know their 
viewpoint or if it's something more developed in whatever other way you know there there's a whole spectrum of how people understand things and i think that some people on the on some ends may demonize the idea of ufos and aliens and say that it's all demonic it's all evil it's something that you just shouldn't talk about or do anything with at all and same may, may go for like other things as well which is i think <clears throat> to me is a bit odd i would suspect even if that were the case to really wonder why not have a better understanding of it anyway you know i think if it's that much of a matter of significance that it's like why not attempt to pursue some better understanding to further our idea or something to be able to know that you know and i think that it's it's uh, allowed me to think about how we um connect as a culture and our understanding of these different types of phenomena in a way that you know, can really challenge us and, and become um, a difficult way for us to be able to see how we can function together or if it stratifies us. You know, some some understandings stratify people. Some people don't like to incorporate, you know, various ideas of something like Bigfoot with other more metaphysical concepts. And that's an interesting notion that is challenging because if someone actually had a genuine experience which would let's say constitute that sort of occurrence happening then you know for other people to just be dismissive because of a non-belief in something or a disbelief it's it really can obstruct their ability to make sense of their uh experience in a way that they can justify and feel comfortable like having integrity even sharing about it if they got to that point and we have to remember that a lot of these different types of things and these fields of study are there because of people's personal testimony that they were willing to share and that's something that i think is incredible because you know just consider all the things that we don't get to hear about from people who never came forward or never gave the opportunity to say you know an incredible experience that otherwise could you know be life-changing for a lot of people and i think that it's important that it, that people can feel safe in doing so so i what i found in the um way that i appreciate having the opportunity to connect with within the community of people who are open-minded and open-hearted enough to be able to connect together in a constructive way regardless of like particular vantage points unless it's something that you know i've seen is a really difficult adverse part of an inner society of people like as you may already know there are a lot of different ideas even in the bigfoot field of what's going on and some people think this and some people think that and you know it's like a very stratified type of community and the, the interesting part is just that some things do connect you know other people together regardless of that um, and it's to bring awareness, I think, overall for the greater good of the um, the understanding that this is something that has drawn a lot of people together and in a way to better our world uh, and, and our understanding that not just we're discovering something new, but how, how do we adapt to that? I think that there's a lot of shock value on the immediate or initial discovery of some of these things like... The idea is if you, let's say, that the government just came out and declares Bigfoot's out there. It exists, but that's all. 
And, you know, then you have to say, well, that's incredible, but then what? Now what? There's so many different things to consider in a way that, you know, I don't think that that's really how something would really happen. But, you know, I think that if such a thing were to occur, you'd have to consider what are the repercussions? What are the things that must go into effect as it has actually been acknowledged, you know, to officially be declared a real species. And I think that you have to see or series of species or whatever, you know, whatever that determination would be to make, right? So if you think about how that affects us from that point forward, it's something that allows us to develop, I think, a better understanding of how to be able to adapt and integrate into a way that you have to understand what to do with that incorporation of whatever that discovery is. So the scope can be different if you're talking about, and, and this happens every day. There was just an article that I saw that I shared. It was a new snail that was discovered. And, you know, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> right. It's excellent to see like the copious amounts of creatures that are discovered like every day, but no one really gets to really know about that because it's not super fantastic. Like, a Bigfoot or some like exotic creature that, you know, sometimes things are really interesting. I think a lot of it comes from what we find within the deep sea, but there are like many things that people discover all the time. And I like to be able to um, look into those types of publications and share them in a way that maybe, uh, you know, promotes awareness on, on some of the new discoveries, despite them not being super fantastical that, you know, we would hope sometimes it would be great to just, have them say, yeah, sure, you know, Bigfoot right. is is out there. But, you know, what do you do from that point? It's like you have all of these different things that you have to consider going in place as far as, um, you know, national parks, conservation, preservation, um, endangered species issues, and then how that plays into um, preventing um, just basically killing them all off and i think that that's the challenge is if you integrate them then it becomes problematic and and how you have to overcome that obstacle and that's just with something like let's say if you did that same concept but utilize something like the acknowledgement of extraterrestrial life but in an advanced scale um, that would cause a lot, probably a lot of stirring. And I think that it's something that you have to consider in a way that it's not just about the immediate uh, announcement or the detection thereof. It's going to be how do we follow up with a an effective set of measures that allows us to understand, um, you know, to the best of our ability, the anthropological nature of something like non-human intelligence and whatever scale or degree that it is manifest to us. And I think that, you know, you have to consider how that's going to play into the overall society of people from that point forward. Is it going to be something that we'll see incorporated in schools? Is it going to be adapted into like everyday life in some practical way some people they don't care some people think what are, well if they say there if there's there's aliens it's not going to change my life at all right. and uh you know you have to consider that some of the different outcome determinations that could be made about an announcement are simply to 
initiate some sort of social conditioning for an event. And so when that occurs, you understand that they're getting ready for something to, you know, you know, take place or what it, whatever it may be. And, and in that case, you know, it's, um, you know, interesting to see that in recent years, since late around this time uh, in 2017, the New York Times released the Pentagon revealing its UFO investigation program, ATIP, mm-hmm. which is the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. ATIP is the acronym. So it's something that a lot of people didn't really know about or take seriously until they saw that. And from that point forward, a lot of people have in this field sort of found that it's gained momentum and it's sort of a a really ambiguous area that people can find themselves very confused. And there's a lot of conflicting information. I think that it's something that people are very opinionated and uh, loyal in some way about. Uh, It's an interesting area. I think it's very similar to what you see as far as the the culture of, you know, a lot of people in the same arena and cryptozoological terms. Um, You know, it's it's very, it can be very um, religious almost in some way where, you know, you have people who are um, adamant about certain qualities of of something or belief and i think that it's really something you you find as a um you know a a way to understand a situation through um you know adapting to a part of reality that you seem connected to in in some way and i feel like you know our, our reality is tangible enough for us to interact in such a way to where people do feel connected with something that you know can be unexplainable and maybe only understanding uh, enough for them to be able to have that and you know i think that it's something that uh, challenges us to really see what's actually going on out there are people really you know being taken you know aboard various craft um you know are different entities actually out there or these manifestations of something um that's more psychologically interactive with our reality in some way, you know, that involves another form of intelligence. And I think that those really challenge us to see that there may be more to think about when it comes to certain um, aspects of what we're encountering. Um, when I think about a lot of the cryptozoological um, encounters, specifically like Bigfoot or Sasquatch related encounters, I find that most of these, if not um, near all of them, are practically zoological in nature, uh, you know, purely uh, biological and and probably, you know, have some interesting qualities that we're discovering. But I don't know that, you know, it seems like for the, the matter of encounters that could be deemed like metaphysical or otherworldly in nature um or paranatural or you could say supernatural and paranormal you know things that really just don't seem to fit into what people normally understand within that scope of their reality and 
when you have that happen, it seems to change something within them. Um, even if it's something we would find mundane, if it's not something that they would really comprehend in a regular way, it might conflict their view of reality. So, um, you know, it makes us wonder what people are actually seeing because I think that there's a great deal of like physical sightings of things that are, are physically, biologically tangible specimens out there that maybe have yet to be discovered. Um, and that is probably uh, a good opportunity for us to understand more about what the encounters actually are for a lot of different cryptozoological entities or cryptids. So I'm sure that you've probably, uh, you know, knowing Big Dog and Lupe and a lot of these guys and, and coming to the events have been, you know, looking into a lot of these different Bigfoot type um, reports and, and things, especially, you know, here in Texas, there, there are a lot of different things that I think people don't know about right. with Texas. And one of them is that Bigfoot apparently is everywhere in Texas. Right. So, you know, that's, people think that's really interesting to think like, you know, Bigfoot in Texas, right. it's like, there's the Bigfoot capital of Texas and Jefferson, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, <laughs> people don't, I mean, they don't really take it very seriously, but it's like, this is really going on and this is like a, a pretty serious deal like you know it would be a really incredible instance for any any kind of acknowledgement uh, nationally but i don't know that it's going to be something we'll, we'll ever get and there may be some reason for that maybe there's something that we don't know about a um you know a form of awareness on the government's behalf that may not be uh acted upon or ever acknowledged and i think that that's unfortunate because uh, you know, it, it could give a lot of people, I think, a way to be exonerated and to feel that, you know, they're relieved of like, you know, all the ridicule because sure, it's it seems like minuscule in some way, but for a lot of people, it would be vindication. They would feel like, you know, they're not crazy that this is like, you know, fine now because of all the years that, you know, they couldn't come forward. Maybe it was like, you know, that was actually what happened. So I think that's, that's a, that whole idea is a big stretch because it's, it's, it's very ambiguous to think like, you know, that one overall declaration is going to explain every single encounter. It doesn't really work that way, but I think that's the challenge with UFOs as well is like suggesting, you know, yes, UFOs are, are out there, which is kind of like what's been acknowledged, but there's not anything specifically saying like, and they are this. So it's the acknowledgement that a phenomenon exists. And then you have to identify the phenomenon through, you know, scientific terms. And in this case, taxonomy, if we obtain a body, which apparently, you know, according to some, I would say authorities on on the the matter maybe uh, finally obtaining a, a body, you know, at some point. I don't know that um, that will happen anytime soon. But if that were to really be the case, it would be probably a scientific breakthrough to some degree for uh, you know something so ridiculed for so long to finally be accepted and acknowledged. Um, on the level of scrutiny that it has, you know, other things, other things like, you know, like the Kraken, for instance, like people, <clears throat> the giant squid is, is like a, a real acknowledged creature. Now, you know, thanks to developments in marine biology and, and a lot of different capacities, oceanologists 
have um, <clears throat> lended us some really incredible tools to be able to like look into water and f find a lot of the eDNA that's available and, and different things that help to see like what may be happening in Loch Ness with like the Loch Ness monster. That's pretty neat to think how newer technology can lend better insight if it works properly. Of course, like if it's it's if, it, if it's faulty and it's not really sending us good information, then that can be challenging. But if we are getting something that's like tangible about DNA uh, approximation within one given body of water that might show us, okay, here are all the different creatures that are like um, available, you know, that are um, apt to be something within that environment. And I think that if you apply that same um, method archaeologically within other platforms, or if in, in some sense you can see, okay, what, what may exist and you can detect other possible entities, um, such as places in the Congo, which is a really interesting um, area within the world that seems to be very dense in a jungle and, and new species are there and and it's our newly discovered species not necessarily that the species itself is new but it's just not right. known to us currently and so there are many things like that that are discovered all the time um, if we we're able to find how something like Bigfoot um, could be acknowledged uh, you know it would be a really subtle, I think, indication because it's already something very challenging to um, approach. And I don't know that the government has had much um, of a uh, open uh, form of addressing the phenomenon and and any like real capacity in a long time. Um, and so it's it makes one wonder where they stand on it, and uh, you know what what are we doing to make this subject or area of study more credible. Um, and so I know a lot of people look up to some of the academics who are out there um, and and uh, you have people like uh, Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum, who's professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho. And uh, I was fortunate enough to um, have met him a few times and got to interview him on the nature of cryptozoology and just inquiring about how something that is within a the breadth of inquiry involving the unknown but you know to what extent we're just having to go with what we discover what we may see through context is uh, opportunity for the possibility of that existence you know so if it has good qualities of uh, resources and has the ability to host such creatures then we can find good probability for their existence. And it may be challenging to think about how some of that actually happens for things that we don't understand biologically, that some form of advanced physiology actually may be present in some of these entities that we don't understand. And, you know, how far does that connect into our understanding of genetics? And if the um, understanding of advanced genetics and the scope of something that would be beyond us um, even if it were something like an alien species how their genetics would compare to ours if they're similar at all or if they're completely different and if there's any relation and if the idea of humanoid beings which is what is often um, accounted for in many of these experiences it would make us wonder is the physiological form of a humanoid a preferred form of adaptation for 
physical organic biology or whatever you know form it is so that's a curious idea that we see here in our world is that we denote that to uh basically primatology um and in a way that deals with hominids and then homonyms and and what develops through the understanding of bipedalism and walking you know upright and so we wonder about some of these encounters that people share about when they describe bigfoot because some people say it sounds sounds like it could be like a caveman like a neanderthal like it could be something from that sort of uh, time frame in a way that you know it might have been prehistoric and you have things that lean toward the scope of it being more or less native or uh, having some uh, extreme uh, ethnic quality um, maybe it's something about the face structure that is pronounced or various forms or parts on their body that are formed in such a way that you know are described as uh, being almost surreal and it's something that you you know wonder about the proportions of some of the uh, entities or creatures described in these encounters because you know a lot of people consider that patty and the patterson gimlin film which you know if as you remember you know bob gimlin talking about his experience with encountering patty down there in bluff creek in 1967 you know they went out with roger patterson and they basically you know got video of this thing and you know one of the most studied pieces of cinema in all of history right. <laughs> you know right. comparable to the jfk sequence so when you think about how <clears throat> that social connection has affected reality you know that one little um iconic pose you know this thing right here right. you see that yeah. you know yeah. frame 352 that you know walking movement <laughs> people see that and they immediately know what it is i mean or they at least know what it's like referring to yeah. it's kind of like <clears throat> you know it, it may be kind of different in other places but some people might know or have heard the word or place roswell and might immediately associate it to like aliens or ufos but might have like no idea really why but there's just sort of a, a cultural concept that has endured into modern times through pop culture and and not necessarily that it has diminished through scientific inquiry by various people and citizen scientists and citizen journalists um, and people who have just been working on de you know developing a better understanding of some of these areas it's interesting to see how when you have this happen um, it it gives you a, a more I think refined and developed lens of perception <clears throat> in order to ascertain the best information and if you're interviewing a witness or you have to uh, convey something in a way that you know helps to be able to get across a really clear key understanding of what took place that might be hard if their ability to communicate is limited um, and you know it's something that you know if there's not any other um, tangible physical part of their experience then we don't know how to really go about it other than to suggest that you just have to either take their word for it or there have to be other corroborating elements that you know can help to understand 
what really took place. And for some people, that might be more difficult. But with something like tangible footage that is now over 50 years old, um, it seems seems to basically stand the test of time and it still be, you know, presumably the most well-known best footage um, of a probably as of yet undiscovered species of primate. And, uh, you know, it could be something completely different, but that may be what I think what I've looked into suggests uh, most probably. And I think that um, you know, in the event that it's something that a lot of other people um, were, you know, a few different other viewpoints, we could say that, you know, maybe think that something, what Bigfoot really is, is something totally different. And some maybe think that it's, it's which is okay and fine and it, that it's peaceful. And then some may think that it could be the total opposite. So it's real interesting to see the spectrum of belief or uh, vantage point with within the community of those who um, are the Bigfoot experiencer, like the collective, basically for those who feel like they've experienced something that you would refer to as Bigfoot, which is a really strange thing to say anyways, because it doesn't really tell you what it is. You know, it's just a word we've adapted through media since the 50s to tag on to a big, like hairy, strange man like hate ape man maybe like you know it's not really very clear so we use this term bigfoot you know some people say sasquatch but it's like you know it's like what kind of visions do you conjure up when someone says sasquatch everyone's going to think of something generally just big and hairy you know like you know they might not they might think about oh i saw like a thing on that or something but like you know, it's very ambiguous. So it's not really, um, I think, that easily explained away by saying like one thing exists or one thing doesn't exist. So you could have a variety of species or subspecies that um, may be part of our uh, immediate vicinity in some ways, but just have always eluded us. And that's so curious is that there could be some other aspect as to why we haven't really been able to acknowledge something like the existence of what we call Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Um, and I think that, you know, in doing so, a lot of things might change, um, you know, more than people realize. And I've asked people in interviews about how that affects our understanding and if it does in any way and what kind of role the government plays. And it just seems like, um, you know, the, the best option would be for, you know, they're really not, um, be some form of acknowledgement in a way that would uh, you know involve the government because it would it would immediately have something um, of like a repercussion you know to you know, a lot of people because it might be something advantageous where they want to go down and hunt some and kill some and just go find some and think that it's like a spree for to go find and hunt these things because um, you know some people have claimed to have like you know shot at them and and having uh, many different altercations that were not friendly or uh, did not seem to be a peaceful environment. 
um, and is you know as fun as a lot of pop culture and is just the general idea i think is that this is also a very serious thing that if people are really experiencing these things it's not just all fun and and games and like you know uh, a good old time you know a lot of times that it could be super traumatic and something really crazy might happen um and uh, and the event that we saw in the patterson gimlin film it's just like strangely you know calm and i mean right. which maybe it's not strange maybe some people being that you know i haven't had an experience of that type of sighting myself you know it's it's easy for me to say but like you know for some people um their experience might be different where they actually have something like more calm and doesn't seem like it's threatening in any way and you know a lot of people might say that that's you know a commonality and some people might say that you know that might probably not be the the real um type of occurrence but you know it's it's really challenging to to really get a good statistical view of something like this simply because there probably aren't i mean there are a few reporting sites you know the bfro and you have different uh you know texas bigfoot research center and and then you have just different platforms you can uh, share on but i don't think there's really anything cataloging like um a lot of the different reports overall other than some of those like the bfro where people can submit sightings um so that's a challenge for us overall because you know a lot of those it makes you wonder if anything's actually being submitted to um, anyone with any sort of uh reputable status within you know the academic community who can say you know there's enough to really bring this forward and and actually do something about it so you know, I think that it could potentially happen for us, but I don't know that it would really make a big impact other than just to, um, you know, rustle some things up and, and cause a lot of issues with natural parks um, or not national parks rather and than, uh, you know, state parks probably have, you know, things they have to, to be involved with as well. So having gone to a lot of these different places, it, it makes one wonder because of the uh, the, a lot of the different cases, a lot of the different encounters that are shared by um, people within the regions, even within our surrounding areas. You know, here in Texas, you have that. What is it, the Texlar Canahoma <laughs> intersecting yeah. states? Yeah. You know, uh, whatever it is, Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. And see, you know, that whole region isn't apparently like a hotbed. I mean, it's a very large area, but, you know, people really seem to report a lot of activity within that region of those connective states. And I think that's something that, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize, even in the general public, you know, they really, really probably bad an eye about, you know, something like that. But it might be interesting to consider that if more awareness was brought to this in a serious, credible way, I think it would lend some uh, opportunity for there to be more, uh, widely accepted and less ridiculed research done um, in a practical, effective, um, controlled way that, you know, is, is in, hopefully in some form um, demonstrable to duplicate and, and in like a, maybe not like a regular pattern that people would consider, um, you know, but being able to understand something about um, a particular phenomenon that has evaded us for a long time, like something like a uh, Bigfoot and being able to finally come forward and say, this is what we're dealing with. And, you know, here's what we can do from here and in an effective way. I think a lot of people would laugh at that idea, but I'd like to think that maybe by the time we get to that point that there would be hope for like, you know, complete 
reintegration of, of how things like that and society could be um, more refined in a productive way that isn't going to be, um, you know, we're, we're having to still worry about, um, you know, the survival of their species or something, or people having to hunt them down or, or they're just not being enough um, to where, you know, we don't have any good opportunities to uh, acknowledge them in a safe way that's not threatening to them because, you know, that's the challenge is, you know, how, how is there going to be an interface? So I think that it's interesting to consider how, how do we interface with this phenomenon? Um, and, you know, I think there are people who are interested in that and they attempt to do so by going out and, you know, attempting to connect by, uh, by language and by use of like different things. And the same thing is, is really interesting because you see the same thing for people who want to go out and connect with uh, other beings and going into meditation and connecting with the sky and, uh, and bringing in what, what they can. I think that the interesting idea is that we're attempting to make the attempt at interfacing with a mysterious, just pretty much undefined and unexplained aspects of our reality that otherwise, if it were to be uh, adapted in a way that we understood, uh, might change a lot about how we understand things and relationships to other animals and, and how maybe this phenomenon, what we would call Bigfoot, is more than just something uh, you know, of, of one species maybe it's something totally different. It could be, you know, a lot of uh, different possibilities. And I think that, you know, we shouldn't limit it to just, um, you know, one concept, but I think it is something we have to be um, level-headed about. And I think that, you know, while there are a lot of strange instances, we have to be um, able to use discernment and find what we can understand through um, using our understanding of logic and, and reason and our scientific methods, but also connect with what other qualities are present. And if, if something that seems more metaphysical in nature, then it at least needs to be documented or attempted to be investigated in some tangible way that, you know, would allow for there to be um, an account with that available. You know, some of the most incredible experiences out there, um, you know, that even have been made into forms of media like, Travis Walton being taken aboard something like being inside of a craft with alien beings in Arizona in 1975 was made into a movie, which people have watched everywhere called fire in the sky. And so people see that movie and, you know, realize a lot of times that that was based, even though very much, much fictionally in the movie on his real experience, but he was gone, you know, and, that was one of the challenges about him having to tell about his account. Right. You know, um, there's a couple things I wanted to uh, kind of point out that you had mentioned. One was uh, just like the Bigfoot you know, phenomenon. I used to be in that group where it was like, okay, this is what Bigfoot is. Don't mention anything paranormal. Don't mention anything alien. You know, I used to be like that. Like, okay. And even though now I still believe that, the Bigfoot creature itself is flesh and blood. I do, I have opened my mind a little bit more to uh, the other encounters where people say that these things are alien or that they're something supernatural about them. So I, I uh, that's one thing that I've learned on, on this little journey that I'm on is that uh, 
you know, you have to li listen to people. Even if their story seems strange, that doesn't mean that that's not what they experienced because, you know, uh, a traumatic experience for them, it, it, who knows what, what went on. And it's, it's not fair for someone like me or anyone else to say, well, that's not what happened. That's not what you saw, you know. Um, and maybe there is something out there other than Bigfoot that is supernatural or something else that is alien that people are seeing. So I think that's one thing that... Uh, we as a community need to open our minds to because there are a lot of people who are very close mind to that like you can't even bring that up you know in a in a facebook group and otherwise there'll be a big fight on facebook you know all, all the all the keyboard warriors will come out and you know defend their stance and i think that's kind of unfortunate i think uh it's okay to believe believe in what you want to believe but you, you can't tell anybody else what they saw or what they didn't see you know right and and, uh, you know, as far as what the government is doing or not doing, I, also, I often wonder if maybe there's just nothing to this subject for them to hold back. You know, maybe they, they it's just, maybe there's nothing to it. And, and we're the ones who make more out of it, maybe. Well, I think I would, I'd like to comment on what you just said there, because I think that, you know, if that is the case, let's say that <clears throat> something which we all call Bigfoot is out there and is living in groups you know maybe moving around if anyone's going to know about it i would think that it's probably the military and i would think that you know through that military intelligence if it poses some kind of threat which seems like highly unlikely and up to be a concern right but to the extent that the acknowledgement it would be there like i think if anyone would be able to ascertain that with the high-end developments of the military industrial complex you definitely have enough to be able to discover something that you know people in the civilian sector are going like over the top using technology and using all these kinds of different devices and, and computer assisted um, research to be able to get a wider grasp of what we're dealing with and i think right. that you know through capturing any kind of vocalizations like the sierra sounds which in the 70s you know seems like something that could have been um you know an attempt at, at making by someone but you know with what ron moore had captured in the washington you know i think that that's another opportunity that we have is the vocalizations and uh i interviewed ron about this and you know he had a crypto linguist analyzing it right. to suggest you know maybe that it, it was uh you know not risk really uh known to be um something that would be in the environment you know or known to be um made without certain um, registers you know so it's something right. you have to really consider is that at all related to what we visualize as bigfoot without the uh, you know other correlation to something tangible like you know known sightings and and cast and tracks which of course that's a that's a likely probability but the immediate assumption that it is related to is what makes it a difficult 
area to function within because a lot of people relate different concepts together which may otherwise be totally unrelated and it's hard to really know without something definitive and i think that's where we are really um, a lot of times when we function together um, through something like the bigfoot community whether it's um, someone someone did this and someone made a hoax of this and someone made you know um you know a an attempt at doing this but you know it's something i think that you know is what stratifies people rather than seeing that we're really people who are looking to discover or acknowledge different species in a way that you know is um, zoologically confirming that they exist and in a way that you know if there is some normal sense to like what's out there uh, rather than it being supernatural or whatever you know metaphysical quality that we attribute to it um then it would be probably not a big issue like you said with the military it might be something that you know they don't seem to have a, a big deal with so they could be you know passed on and if it gets into any kind of areas of the government they in you know the national parks and agriculture and things that really could affect um areas in which they exist within then that might change a lot of different things that with what's going on in those areas and how they can be accessed and and what the deal is about um, potential preservation or anything um you know i i asked cliff barrickman who you know was on finding bigfoot he was at the recent jefferson conference and i asked him this i asked him if he you know had any position on how the government should have any involvement if any at all within this subject and he's you know pretty opposed to the idea of you know getting them involved but um you know i think that you know it's understandable with the current you know situation of how uh, you know challenging our political arena has been for years it's it's something that a lot of people get really crazy about and uh you know it's it's something that the government sort of thrives on in a way that you know the the economy and a lot of the different situations outside of the president that everything with the military um you know the the, the pentagon and, and a lot of the military intelligence um, goes through you know is is doesn't have the same impermanence as the seat of presidency so sometimes presidents you know are there for certain terms and then they go a lot of the times in the military they're going to be there and so a lot of things don't really get passed on in a way that they could be publicly addressed by the president whoever that is sometimes they are sometimes people uh different presidents have been asked or interviewed about things like ufos um and and different other encounters um you know i think that it's something that some are more or less reluctant to say something about some you know at the beginning of maybe their candidacy they were like excited to reveal or something you know right. never fanned out um so it's really interesting to see you know a lot of people who have gone out of their way to in a public seat or position and you know, like an official seat have come forward and actually you know done something to acknowledge or to see about you know taking action toward whatever you know is taking place so whether it's acknowledgement of like um 
UAP, which is what the government is now or has now been referring to as UFOs. That UAP is an you know an identified aerial phenomenon. So um, you have a lot of different things occurring now that are really involving that on a public level with the government interfacing with the um, you know population at least to here in the U.S. So, you know, I think it's interesting to see if any role as far as Bigfoot would be acknowledged with the government or military. I don't know that it would um, ignite a lot of um, conflict, but it probably wouldn't, it would probably be pretty underwhelming. Um, I know it would be great if we could take, you know, some, con you know, more conservational, um, opportunities to where you know we're not having to immediately like throw them in zoos and everything like i think that would be terrible to like yeah. have to relocate them and, and put them in some kind of containment facility that would be you know pretty messed up but i think that there are a lot of already conflicting issues that are the reason why we don't have any immediate mutual interface with these creatures and I think that that should say something is because, you know, there's a good reason why we haven't been able to accomplish that uh, openly, I think, you know, in, in modern. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, some people probably have. Some people have probably had a, you know, peaceful encounter. And for them, great. Maybe it wasn't peaceful, but it was, you know, for them, the acknowledgement. So I think that the, the whole idea, you know, a lot of people have different a variety of experiences, but you look at the scope of how people describe what they were referring to and this idea of Bigfoot or what they call, you know, Sasquatch and to what degree they're more or less severe. So like, to, you know, to what severity did something occur? Um, was it a peaceful situation? You know, some people um, have described aggressive um, or really, you know, unfortunate situations. So it's hard to say exactly if, you know, what they're describing are really the same thing. And I think that, you know, the better we look at the opportunity for our ability to, you know, acknowledge what we're experiencing out in um, not just the woods, of course, but <laughs> as your show is called, beyond the wood line, you know, get out beyond there and see like, you know, maybe there's more to what we're experiencing that's not just Bigfoot related, but you know, has a lot to do with our immediate environment too. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, you, you're, you're kind of segue in, into a pretty good ending that I was going to ask you. You know, uh, what kind of advice would you have for people who are trying to investigate or trying to research the, you know, the unknown? Or what would you tell these people? Yeah, I think that anyone's interested you really have a lot of opportunities now to see how you can really develop a more refined understanding of the research by looking at the breadth of work that's been produced throughout many decades. And, you know, depending on what you're into, what you're interested in studying, maybe before that, but it's something that you have to look into um, objectively. And I think that, you know, while you can consider what you enjoy and what you're um, feeling connected with, you have to also see that people can have personal bias with something and that can overshadow something that might otherwise lend a more whole perception of a phenomenon. Um, so, you know, like we said earlier, some people, they think that um, something like Bigfoot is is fine and uh, that it's it's peaceful and there's nothing wrong with it and some people think that they could be 
demons, you know, like it's really curious to suggest that, you know, somehow that makes sense. But, you know, if that were the if you know, then that's even more weird than before. And I would be thinking like, wow, well, then we really need to know what's going on. So, you know, that's, that's, I mean, I don't think that a lot of people consider it that way, but it's really interesting to me that the things that seem to repel us also pro can propel us you know forward in a way that if they keep us held back it can uh, obstruct our progress in developing a better connection with reality and and adapting to that so as we develop further in our technology i think that we're we're going to experience a lot of these things and it may be through computer assisted technologies and ai assisted technologies where we're actually using forms of artificial intelligence to obtain information about uh you know particular uh, instances of of an event where if it was uh biological in nature or if it had something that could be um, taken through dna or different um, chemical testing or um, signatures i think that a lot of things that we have not really known about for a long time could be understood uh, in a much different way now that we have these technologies available to us um, and a lot of that is something I think that is an important part of these mysteries. So, you know, for those interested in being able to study them, I would say, firstly, you know, have an open mind. And then, you know, if you're interested in looking at studies of unknown creatures, you know, I would say don't only just find literature on the matter but also utilize the internet to find different social groups, find productions, documentaries, watch different forms of media that help to give you a variety of perspectives so that you're not just you know, delineated with one overall objective viewpoint that says Bigfoot's a demon. You know, like you don't want to just get uh tunnel vision into one area i think that you know i think you know a lot of people are get really there's a lot of loyalty in many of these different communities and i think that you know that can be challenging whenever um you know something is being called to action or there's something being questioned as far as legitimacy or authenticity um, there's a lot of conflict and adversity when it comes to being able to vet different people because of certain things. And I think that it's a really interesting type of inner working community that has an idea. So if, you know, if you feel like you can connect with your community through going to events and finding people who are in your immediate area, who know about these types of things, seek out your local, community and i think that's a really important part is you know researching the subjects you can with what literature and online information you have as well as media and videos things like documentaries or whatever audible forms you can you know check out as well you know go try to see what's in your immediate area meet people go to groups go to locations try to actually go out and explore nature just observe go out um you know, be cautious, be aware, don't be naive, you know, it's not impossible to have something 
incredible happen. So, you know, just use your discernment and take in what you can um, go explore and, and don't just uh, believe what you read and see and watch, but experience for yourself. Um, if you're interested, you can gauge what you are connecting with based upon material that's out there with books and everything and videos but go to physical meetings when we can that you know time allows us to actually have you know nice gatherings again i think it's important to see that we have those uh, options available in our immediate community so that people have that talk to, talk to their friends talk to their family not be ridiculed not be laughter mocked because you want to engage about something openly in a way that is curious and is uh, serious at the same time but also you know, uh, is welcoming and, and friendly in a peaceful environment, but also is acknowledging that there's not just, you know, a, a peaceful aspect to what we're dealing with, that it is a, you know, challenging issue with real things that we can't be naive to. So I think that it's important that we come with in a mature, developed approach and, you know, seeing how we can take this on in a practical way and an effective way using technology and natural resources and and doing something to make sure that we can um just respect any acknowledged creatures that we come in contact with which we do every day so if it happens to be bigfoot you know or whatever we call bigfoot then awesome let's let's make that happen in a uh, good productive cell uh safe and healthy way that you know, gives us an opportunity to advance further uh, with that species, you know, if we can, so that we're not dominating it and it's not going to die off or something isn't going to, you know, assimilate it and its culture um, and to genocide or something. So we need to make sure that we move forward constructively together as a collective world, you know, even though we might always not always have like interface all the time maybe it's you know something we want to avoid after we acknowledge it so it could be hard to say but you know there are a lot of things i think can go into place once we have the the scientific side more involved in a serious acknowledging way and through that i think um you will have a better uh, form of awareness on the behalf of the general community so you know having shows this get us connected with more people. So uh, Joe, I appreciate, you know, the opportunity to be able to connect and, you know, get an opportunity to, you know, do something that I think is helpful in these areas. So you're doing a great job of that here yourself too. And thank you for joining too, man. And uh, give out your information one more time uh, uh, where people can find your, uh, all your stuff that you. Yeah. Well, you can uh, find me on social media, like Facebook or Instagram, Daniel Allen Jones. Um, and you can also go to my production website, which is thevortex.online. And or you can just go to youtube.com slash thevortex1. Um, and you can watch you know, all the videos and stuff. And there's a Facebook and stuff for that too. But, um, you know, I enjoy being able to see how we can further explore some of these mysteries collectively. I think it's, it's the only way we can really make sense of how to move forward um, and the integrative step of, once we detect those interesting mysteries of reality, then we have to go forward and say, all right, how do we make this work? And how do we work with it together um, in a safe, peaceful way that's non-threatening and you know, and not going to push us into um, the opposite direction. So hopefully it's going to propel us forward. Cool. 
Well, all right, Daniel. Thank you for joining again, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, everyone, I hope you guys enjoy this uh, this broadcast. I'm sure you will. There's a lot of good information. And Daniel, we got to have you back on again, buddy. Yeah, Joe. Sounds great. I'm glad I could be here, and uh, you know, look forward to the next time.